0: Let's do this together. All right, happy Friday all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I'm super honored that you are here becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. I'm so excited for this talk with Lachelle Weemie. I just love it. It makes it like puts a smile on my face. We have planned this for quite a few months, and I'm so excited that it's happening. So welcome and introduce yourself to the community. This Monica, thank you so
1: much for having me here. You guys, you are part of my tribe of people who just, you're warriors, you guys. Like if you don't see it right now, like you're a freaking warrior. The fact that you have had hard things placed in front of you the fact that you still show up, the fact that you're trying to find solutions to where you are so that you can get on and get outside of where you are now, like you're my kind of people, right? And so I just wanted to say thank you so much, Monica, for having me here and allowing me to be blessed by your amazing audience and to be really given the permission to be authentic and real and vulnerable with all of you guys without judgment and tons of grace, because I'm not going to be perfect at all in this conversation. And I just want to thank you for that. And yeah, so gosh, about me, I mean, I think that if you, I'm going to try to give you like a quick background story, right? I am a nurse anesthetist. I do anesthesia for a living. Um, I left my actually 20 year anesthesia career back in September and I am a business consultant now. So I do anesthesia for um, a small hospital to help them out. But really where my passion is, is to help people step into the full fullest version of themselves to be able to be like, dang, I actually did that. Like proving to ourselves what we're capable of and honestly getting out of our own way and getting out of the ways that we sabotage our own success. And I find that the things that I was doing in business actually can relate really well to even with the things I learned in my fertility journey. So I just can't wait to like put all these puzzle pieces together today and, and serve you guys. So thanks
0: yeah i'm super excited so first off you have a little bit of a fertility journey yourself do you mind sharing that with us
1: absolutely you know so i gotta tell you guys and i don't know if any of you can relate to this but i went to a lot of school and my plan because i was like a planner type a person is like okay i'm gonna go to graduate school i'm going to you know finish that and if i didn't get into graduate school then i was just gonna have a baby like you know how it all is supposed to work out like that right And so I got into grad school, I'm like, okay, great. We'll just start a family when we're done. And my husband's a teacher. So we laugh at this right now, like he's a teacher. So I'm like, oh, how great would it be to have this baby in the spring so that I can be home with it. And then you could be home with it and it'll all be wonderful, right? but we weren't quite ready yet. So I graduated from anesthesia school and I was like, all right, so I think we're ready, but you know, still a little nervous. I always compare it to standing on the edge of a pool and you're looking in, you're like, okay, all these people are having fun and I want to jump in, but I'm a little too scared. Right. And so that's kind of where I was like, okay, I've done all the things like checked off my boxes and now it's time to do this box. But I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to jump in. But I knew that once I would jump in, that I wouldn't want to get back out. That's mm-hmm. kind of how about mom, motherhood, right? So it's like, took me a while to like get up enough nerve to like jump in the deep end and just be ready. And then it didn't happen. And <laughs> then, what? like, we waited, like we did all the things, right, right. And nothing was happening. And so I remember going to my doctor's office and she ran some tests and she's like, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to have a family. And now it's just like, hold tight. Like, wait a minute. I didn't want to jump in the pool. And now you're telling me I am not even allowed in the pool. Like that's not cool. Right. And so I don't know, you guys, I'm sure can relate to this, but now I wanted it even more. It's like, you tell me I can have something. And it's like, no, like this isn't. And I think, you know, this happens to a lot of us when we're at this stage of our lives where all of a sudden people around me were starting to have babies. My sister had a baby just a couple months before, um, um you know, we were, we're in this, this space. And, and right after we had been told, we probably wouldn't be able to have a family. My other sister-in-law, who's a lot younger than me, you know, got pregnant and it was really, really hard to, to be in that space because for the first time in my life, this was something that I couldn't control, or it felt like I couldn't, I had gone to school, you know, I got into the best grad school. I did all the things. And this is something that felt completely out of my control. And thankfully, you know, we, with a lot of medicine and a lot of patients and an amazing team of, of doctors, we were able to have our son and kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I knew that it was going to take us a little bit longer if we wanted to have any more. So when he was about one, I was like, all right, let's just, let's just see how this goes. And we started to do our thing with the doctors and all the things, all the things that we worked for him didn't work this time around and we ended up having to escalate our um our you know procedures and and such and i remember there was one month we decided to go with iui and i remember my scientific brain just really struggling with this it's like i had six mature eggs and my husband's count just happened to be you know good that month and i'm just like and and then we didn't get pregnant i'm like how does that even work like how does a plus b not equal c like this doesn't make any sense And along the same time too, it was really stressful on our family. My husband had a really hard time with his part in this. And um, without getting too personal, um, I just assumed that that was like a natural thing for a dude to do and it's not apparently. And so then you add extra pressure, like this has to be done between 710 and 715, and that's like not gonna happen. So there were several months in there where we had to cancel our appointments for insemination because he didn't have anything that he could provide. And gosh, it was so stressful. And we finally got to a place where I by some miracle um had a positive test, came back. So it had worked. And I was so just grateful. I'm like, okay, Lord, like, thank you so much for finally getting us to this point. Cause it had been crazy stressful on our marriage because of the things that I had just described. And you know, when you go through this stuff, you know, you guys that are listening and you get it, like you're on medicine, right? So I was getting shots. So I felt tired. I, I mean, my, my boobs hurt. Um, I was nauseous, like all the things. And we went in for our first ultrasound and the doctor came in and she was like, Hey, I, um, I got a couple of things to tell you one, um, there were two sacks, um, so twins, um, but unfortunately neither one of them are here. Um, I had lost both of them and it sucked because I felt pregnant And I'll be honest with you, like Monica and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, this was probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. And so if any of you guys have gone through this, I want you to just stay out of any shame and guilt because this is where I went. I'm just like, I was so sad. I was so mad. I was mad at God. I'm like, why did you even bother to give me something and just take it away? Why couldn't you have just at least given me one? It just, it totally blindsided me because I felt pregnant. And then all of a sudden I was told that. I wasn't and had to go through, you know, the things that we go through to dispel that from our body. And I, and I was in anesthesia. I didn't want to go through the, the um, DNC because I didn't want anybody to know. And I chose to take set and had to have that realization that I was literally flushing what might be my baby down the toilet. Like it was awful you guys. Mm-hmm. And I felt so alone because I felt like nobody really understood what I was going through, I felt like I shouldn't be grieving something I'd never met as hard as I was. And it's like the death of our dreams. It's the, it's the death of our dreams realized and then stripped from us. And I didn't allow myself the permission to grieve. I didn't allow myself the permission to feel like this is a normal process and what happens. Instead, I isolated myself and I felt like I should be stronger, I should be tougher. And it just got worse. And then was like, gosh, I'm finding myself crying like halfway down the road every day. And then I felt guilty. Like, gosh, I'm really struggling with this. Maybe I should ask my doctor if there's anything that she can give me. And then what kind of mom am I? If I'm asking my doctor to give me a medicine that might not even be good for a future baby to be in here. And I felt selfish. And so all of the things that brought me into shame. And what I realize now is that shame and guilt keep us at the bottom of the what I call the b- emotional vibrational scale. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to quantum s- physics and brain science in in my um my business consulting world. And what I found is that when I allowed myself to stay in this negative space of hopelessness and despair and and you know shame and guilt and all the things it keeps you down in the lower vibrational plane. And what happens is the closer we can be to the higher vibrational plane, the more likely it is for the things, the good things, the blessings in our lives to be able to attract to us with, with the way that our, the electrons actually entangle with each other is kind of cool. And we can get into science stuff if you want. But what I was finding is that my guilt and shame around this experience was actually the thing that was dragging me down the furthest away from everything that I was desiring. And once I was able to finally dig my way out of the shame and the guilt, and I was able to allow some self-compassion and I was able to allow myself to feel loved, be loved, love others, love things, it was allowing me to find my way back to where I needed to be and where I wanted to be in order for this to happen. And um, I'll be honest with you, like it completely changed my life, but for the good. And I think that everything that I have gone through in my life can be turned into something good if I choose to look for it. So even when we're in the middle of the valley and it feels gross and it feels icky and it feels sad and depressing and and all the things, I believe that if we choose to focus on something, even if it's the smallest little thing that gives us some blessing from it, we can use it to elevate who we are and who we're supposed to be in this lifetime. And I allowed that experience actually to strengthen my relationship with God instead of allow me to tear it apart. Um, and that decision alone was actually one of the things that transcended where I was to where I am today. So I don't know, was that was that like-
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, um, I totally agree the miscarriage part for all women going um through miscarriage society has not taught us how to respect our bodies during that time right meaning you know taking time off of work yeah asking for help being allowed to grieve something that we never met right like anyone who uses medical assistance um, and those embryos come, you know, if, I know IUI is a little bit different cause you don't see the embryos, but like when you see those embryos in IVF, those are your babies. Right. Yes. And I work with someone who does, um, like frequency work and yeah. she picked up on my IVF baby and she was like, is he a twin? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, no, technically on earth plane. No, he's not a twin, but he was created with, uh, like five, six other embryos. Yeah. So, and then he was frozen for a year and a half with four of them. So yeah, like he, he was created with a bunch of other, you know, uh, babies, whether you believe they're just cells or their souls or like whatever it is. Um, and my first miscarriage was a missed miscarriage and I too did not want to go through a DNC. I was so sick of people looking at my vagina. I was <laughs> like, absolutely not. And I actually, they never even offered me medicine and I think they, they overlooked what, where I was and what the situation was. But, um, I I basically passed the SAC. I went into labor and no one warned you that I was only about measuring like seven weeks. So it wasn't really like deep into a pregnancy, but let me tell you, it's deep enough where you have to go into contractions and open your cervix way more than a period. And, um, that's something that women really need to be told, right? right? To make more of an educated decision, because if they would have told me that I would have, I don't know what I would have done, but it would have made made me think. And because you didn't know when it was going to come on, it didn't come on for two more weeks. I was by myself. My husband was away, no family around. And I ended up in the ER because I overpushed myself right after after it happened, I was like, right, I'm going to get back to it. Just like same. I think almost 100% of women dealing with fertility issues are type A, right? And like yeah. pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. you know, like yeah. you're a tough girl. And yeah, like totally ended up in the ER because I pushed myself too hard and my body was like, absolutely not. We need to be lying down and being pampered, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I really, really think that's like such an important thing for women to know and just give yourself that grace. Yeah. Do you think, because like we maybe would have been in a similar situation, do you think that you didn't allow yourself that grace Mm -hmm. and that surrender and the anger and the fear came in full vengeance Mm -hmm. because of the programs you were running before like fertility issues hit? Yeah.
1: Um, that's a really great question. I think that there was probably some unworthiness that I was carrying with me. And I find that a lot of my clients, I find that with friends that, you know, are wanting anything that they don't have. And it's so fascinating because I had two clients today that I had phone calls with that both have a fear of success. And I could even equate fear of success in the success of becoming a mother when it's yeah. been something i have been wanting so much, because sometimes we have blocks that do not allow ourselves to go because we're scared of what's going to happen when it happens. Mm-hmm. And so twice today, I heard the same thing where it's like, if I'm successful, I have to say goodbye to the life that I have. And that might be, I might, you know, my, none of my friends want to have babies. So maybe I'm going to lose all my friends. And there's a subconscious block that actually keeps us from allowing something to happen because we're afraid of what's going to happen when it does, right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's, you know, when they had some belief systems around, you know, whether or not you have money equates to whether or not you are a bad person. Okay. So you might have some deep-seated underlying programming that says like, my mother was not a good mom, so I am not going to be a good mom. And therefore I do not want to bring somebody into this world that is going to do what my mom did to me. Let's just say, or, or you, you fear that, you know, you are struggling financially. And so therefore you're fearful that you're not going to be able to support somebody coming into your life. And there's a deep seated underlying block that you have that you don't even have a conscious aware of that's preventing you from being able to, to execute this, this big, beautiful life. And I think that when we know better, we do better. And so I oftentimes will just try to get my clients to understand that if you notice little clues that if, even if something that I'm saying is sparking like, holy crap, like i never thought about that. It's that awareness of it It allows you to explore it a little bit and say, okay, is that true? Is that belief true? If I am successful, are all of my friends going to abandon me? Am I going to be alone? Okay. That was Mm -hmm. a fear that I had. That could be something that people have when they, when they're ready to, to have babies. And it's like, well, is that true? Well, I mean, honestly, I guess if all of my friends abandon me because I become successful or if I become a mother, then they're really probably not my friends. Right. And I will likely attract new people in my life that have a similar interest and love for things that I am the season in right now. Right. And so when you start to, to say to yourself, okay, does that belief hold validity? Is it true? Is it possible that it's, there's another perspective that I've not seen that would negate whether or not this is true. Right. And then what would happen if I chose to believe the opposite of what I've been believing,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right. And allowing ourselves to to say, okay, like I'm ready to take on a different way that I'm looking at this. Because what happens is we have these really cool cells inside of our brains called mirror neurons, and they will literally help us look for things in our outside world that match our inside. So if you have this deep seated fear, right? That you're not going to be a good mom because you were not modeled a good parent, you are going to continue to find things in the outside world that validate that. It's going to look for things that match. And so you have to be able to call it out on the table and be like, uh, this is not serving me any longer. This is not true. This is not set in stone. I don't buy that anymore. I'm choosing what I wanna believe. And then you get to start looking for evidence that is consistent with the new belief that you wanna have, right? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where you have to acknowledge it because otherwise your brain and your subconscious is going to continue to look for validation that what it thinks to be true is true.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we don't even have to go as deep as not being worthy enough to be a mom. I know that there was definitely a part of that inside of me during my journey When with hindsight, obviously. Yeah, right, right. But what I would say in regards to that, because I could just hear the like, hear and go, that's not true. I like don't feel not worthy and all that stuff. Usually fertility issues... If it's not a physical or like a structural issue or really a genetic issue that can't be influenced by functional medicine or our thoughts, which that's still out on the cards for me. I'm not really like, it's like, oh, we're just on the cusp for that one. Maybe not to be even true, but obviously physical issues right now, if you don't have fallopian tubes, if your husband, you know, is like, doesn't have sperm. Those are like genuine uh, infertile issues. Right. Everyone else is basically dealing with high inflammation and oxidative stress. Right. Now, when it comes down to the subconscious mind, we've been dealing with a lot of BS from Uh moment of conception, right? Let's just face it in, or probably even in our grandmother's womb, right? We can go and probably even further back in DNA. So when it comes to, I have fertility issues and looking at those subconscious beliefs, it could literally not have anything to do with being a mom, but it could right. be you storing all this emotional uh, BS that you didn't ask for. But it's your responsibility now to tune into that and go, what am I holding on to? I, I have a client right now who is 100% blocking herself physically with womb issues that is like this dicey diagnosis of oh maybe you have endometriosis but we can't really figure it out because of that's where she shoved all of the emotional baggage from her parents being um the from the silent generation basically right no emotions are talked about so she's harboring it there well, and oh, she yeah. could do the perfect diet. She could do the yeah. supplementation. She can do all those things. But I was like, unless you're ready to open Pandora's box, which I get it, it's the right most, one it's... of the most uncomfortable things to do is oh be God. real, real with yourself. Yep. Yep. The likelihood of you achieving your ultimate goal gets slimmer and slimmer.
1: 100%. So a lot of people don't realize that, and this is kind of cool. I could bring all my cool stuff into this one sentence that our thoughts create our feelings. And our feelings create our actions and our action creates our results. Right. And so it comes back to the way we think, but what happens is, is that we fail to recognize too, that our thoughts are actually energy. And a lot of people don't realize that. And when our thoughts become feelings, it's charged energy. It's like this, this, it takes on a whole nother, another level, right? If we do not allow ourselves to express those feelings, um, they have to go somewhere. And when I say energy, I'm talking like seventh grade science class, guys, like we're going to go back to there real quickly. So you remember that the basic units of all things in the universe are in in an atom, right? Yeah. And so our atoms are, all they are is little tiny nucleuses surrounded by rotating electrons. That's it. Every single thought that you have has energy that's attached to it. And things like the table I'm knocking on is literally just a different consolidation of of those atoms into Mm -hmm. this form that I see, okay? So our thoughts, are energy, our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings allow for our energy to be even more charged. If we don't allow ourselves to express those feelings, they can get stuck inside of our body. And there is so much evidence that talks about how we can have generational effects from this. So when your grandma had unresolved um, something that she's stuffed down into her. It literally is encoded in the DNA that comes to you, Mm -hmm. but there is such amazing stuff out there about, um, neuroplasticity and, um, epigenetics. So that means that our thoughts can actually change the way that our genes are expressed. That's how powerful this is. So none of the stuff that you've been experiencing is set in stone, And so even if you have a familial thing, there is still the power in our thoughts, the energy behind our thoughts. But it's so important that we allow for ourselves to use those thoughts and use the energy that we have for our best good, right? And so this is kind of where I come back to that emotional vibrational scale. Um, If you look at what scientists have been able to discover, when they look at the electrons that are rotating around that nucleus, Certain feelings actually have led them to measure with frequency and hertz how fast these electrons go. The more positive the emotions, the faster the electrons go, the higher the vibration because the frequency is higher. They're faster. So things like love, joy, appreciation, gratitude, freedom are going to vibrate faster, higher, higher frequencies. And even when I say those words, you notice that I even talked a little bit higher and a little bit faster. When I say things like sadness, hopelessness, despair, shame, guilt. You'll notice, and I didn't even try to do this on purpose, but it just is a natural thing. I spoke slower, my voice lower because those electrons are moving slower. Okay. We have to be able to harness the beautiful energy that has association with our thoughts and therefore feelings to try to allow ourselves to stay in those highest vibrations as possible, but it doesn't do us any good if we try to shame ourselves into thinking you shouldn't be feeling sad right now. What's wrong with you? I'm going to think of a happy thought like, you uni- know, unicorns jumping over rainbows and it's supposed to like fix everything. And it doesn't because you still have to acknowledge the feeling and let it flow through you in order for you to accept a new thought and therefore a new feeling. And what happens is people get stuck into, I don't want to feel like this. I'm going to eat these chips instead. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to talk about this. I'm going to, you know, go to bed instead. And we literally allow those things to, to stay inside of us and they can be expressed as diseases. Actually 85% or more of our diseases are actually linked to an emotional, um, um, an emotional, um, trigger in that space. And so it's up to us to be able to use this beautiful superpower of free will and choosing our new thoughts that can allow us to do this. But we have to acknowledge the fact that those feelings have to be expressed and validated. So if you're experiencing sadness right now, let's just say that your sister-in-law just told you that she was pregnant over a text. How insensitive, right? Like she knew you've been trying for 10 years and she just happens to text you, right? And immediately you find yourself triggered by that. That's totally normal, friend. That's totally normal. But instead of saying, "Well, darn it, what's wrong with you? You should be happy for her. And you start shaming yourself. Guess what? Not only are you bringing yourself lower in that vibrational scale, but you're also allowing those emotions to possibly stay stuck somewhere in your body Mm -hmm. and not allowing to express itself. And so you can say to yourself like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel whatever is supposed to feel. And sometimes I even just give my, myself a little, um, a timer, maybe 10 minutes. I'm going to sit in this and you have to be willing to sit in it, even Mm -hmm. though it's going to suck. And I'm going to tell you that, but guess what? It's not going to suck in longer than the 10 minutes that you have, because you allowed yourself to go through that. And then you get to choose again. And you're not allowing it to stay in there because when you get triggered friends, what happens is, is it's because that emotion is still stuck somewhere and it's bumping up against it like an old bruise. Mm -hmm. And so when something happens again, that, that tightens that emotional response, it's because it's bumped up against something inside of you that you haven't allowed yourself to release yet.
0: Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you've read the book, Letting Go, right? I have not. Oh my God, you'll love it. You'll like geek out. It's by uh, David Hawkins. He's a MD, PhD. So he's like all the science behind it, but just sitting there with it because we have, you know, society has come along, alcohol, the entertainment industry, TV, Netflix, social media now, and no one's sitting there like, how do you feel, right? Like, let it be there. And allowing yourself to just sit with yourself and all the BS is, um, one of the best things that you can do for yourselves because that it's, it's free one, right. He talks about like how the, all these modalities out there, which I'm not like, they're, they're valid and I think they are supportive and useful. Um, but the fact of the matter is if you don't teach your things, yourself these things which are really simple to do once you get into it, you are gonna spend thousands of dollars going back to those modalities which don't necessarily get to the root of that emotion, right? It's the feeling and the emotion that is the key to this whole process. Um yeah, I'm really (laughs) it's it's just an amazing thing. And you can apply that to every situation of your life right because fertility issues just add on that extra thick layer of all the bs that was there before and we are gonna end there today it's such a great conversation but we went on forever and you know we like to keep it short and sweet here except for our podcast discovery calls so tune in next week for the second part of lachelle's conversation have a great weekend